the volume. This session's podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. Let me tell you a few reasons why. First of all, they are America's number one sports book. Duh. Uh, it's super easy to use. It's safe and secure. No tomfoolery. Fast payouts. As quick as two hours. And there's also so many different betting types. You know, there's same game parlay bets, live betting, player props, features, you name it. We got it over here. I mean, there's risk-free bets, enhanced odds markets, so much more. It's all here, all in one app, all in one place. The fast payouts and the safe and security. I mean, come on. Now, guys, if you're new, you just have to download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and get started right now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so they know that your girl sent ya. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER. Or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, we've got a hell of an episode here on the sessions today. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to get into it. Before I do, got a little business with you guys. I don't know if you saw this on my Instagram, on my Twitter, I put it out there. You can now buy some official sessions merch. Just go to thevolume.com, hit that merch tab. It is all up there for your buying purposes. You can buy a baseball tee with my face on it, with a little homage to Bowie. It's cool as all hell. I love the way that this artwork came together. I love it. And there's like the tour dates on the back with some of like the best guests that we've had, which I guess can be a little bit controversial. And let me tell you, it's not easy to pick those. Um, They're just up there. I've requested a couple names added to it. We'll see what happens. But anyways, guys, check that all out. There's the baseball tee. There's a hoodie. There's a hat. There's merch for all of the other podcasts on the Volume Podcast Network. So head over to thevolume.com, hit that merch tab, and you guys can get you some clothes for your body to represent the show. Okay, today, I cannot believe that this episode happened. I can't believe it came to fruition. I was so nervous that it wasn't going to happen. I was getting my hopes up of like, wait, is this for real? Do I actually get to talk to the legendary Hall of Famer, one of the absolute best to play the game of basketball, one of the best sports broadcasters of any generation, funny, charming, intelligent. Oh my God, you guys, we had on. Charles Barkley. This happened. This is real life. Oh my God. He was so cool. Uh, we got to talk a bunch of different things. Uh, you know, obviously hanging with Jordan, working on that golf swing. We talk the dream team. We talk uh, a little space jam. We talk social media. We, we talk football. We get into the Super Bowl a little bit. Anyways, the guy is so cool. He is exactly what you imagine that he would be like. I mean, we've all watched him on TV. We know what we're getting into. And 
did not disappoint. Just such a cool dude. I can't believe he took the time to come hang out with me and uh, we just got to shoot the shit for like an hour. What a lovely man. All right, guys, let's get into it. Here he is, Charles Barkley. So we've been able to connect essentially because it kind of took over at least a wrestling Twitter space recently that you were acknowledging my husband, John Moxley. You know, he took his time off to uh, to go to rehab to deal with alcohol abuse. Um, you gave some credit to that, which I thought was so, so cool for you to take the time and do that. So, uh, so much appreciated. It's always nice to uh, to get the love like that from somebody like you. I had that in my family. I had a younger brother who passed away like at 40. So I'm very sensitive to any type of addiction because I know how it pulls at the family. Uh, My brother, Daryl, he's been gone a while now, but, you know, he tried and tried. He actually got his life together at the end, but he did so much damage to his body. His heart just gave out. But when I was reading the story, and I, like, you don't have any idea about my past. One of my, I've been in a rest, 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 I call it wrestling. Wrestling. I've been in a rest. Yeah. <laughs> so one of my best friends uh, is Rick Flair. I've known the rock since he was in college. I've been to a gazillion matches, even going back to Birmingham, Alabama, where I grew up in a small town going down to Botwell auditorium. I'm, I'm talking, I'm going four horsemen, junkyard dog. So I've been in the business a long time. And uh, and obviously, actually, we did a promo last year with uh, Chris Jericho since we got back in the business. And so I pay close attention to it. Uh, and it's been fun. So I, I want to acknowledge your husband. You know, I was thinking about this, about this young black girl, Miss America, who killed herself over the weekend. People have to realize that they're never by themselves. You need people who like, hey, man. Uh, hey, young lady, you ain't by yourself, especially when you're in the limelight. Because I tell you what, one thing about the limelight, it sucks a lot of the time because, man, there's some really mean people out there. There's some people out there who are just, I see, I don't do any social media. I know. And you're so smart for it. I want, I have a bunch of questions about that because I think, I wish that I could do that. Number one, I like to gamble. I like to drink. And if somebody said something to me when I was in either I was losing money or drunk, I'm going to go at them pretty hard because I'm not one of those guys who are going to turn the other cheek. If you do something to me and turn the other cheek, I'm going to punch you in the other <laughs> cheek, too. I'm not one of those guys who's yes. going to be like, you know what? I forgive you. I forgive you. No, I don't forgive you. You started this. Now you're going to see the ramification. It is really hard because like I'm on social media. I do feel the need and sort of the pressure to be on social media for my job to help promote blah, 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 whatever. Social media essentially is a currency when I don't get to be somebody like Charles Barkley. I still have to use it all the time. But my husband's like you where he doesn't use it at all. And he's so much better offered. He's like, it's basically like as if you've given a bunch of random people your phone number and now they have this access to you to just tell you these horrible things. What bothers me about it is the fact that just because your life sucks, you don't have to go after other people. My thing is, if you're successful, I've never said to myself, hey, you know what? Things are going good. I'm working hard. But let me go on the Internet and comment on somebody else's life. But like, no, nah, man, if you're busy and you're successful, you doing your own thing. I've never felt the need like, hey, let me drop what I'm doing right now and take a shot at somebody. 
Uh, you know, it's like, that, and that's what it is. It has become. It's crazy and it's exhausting. I think that sometimes too, like this is like sort of an aside, but I had just hired this contractor to come in and paint our house. He did a terrible job, was like <laughs> late. He left early. I'm like, I'm going to write this guy such a bad review. I can't believe how bad this was. And like, I still never did because like I don't have time to. I don't have time to and I don't care enough to. So when there's people that actually do have the time to just like go on and spew like hateful things at people, how do you, like, yeah, go outside and touch the grass, call your mom, call your dad, reach out, like, get a life. They don't have a life. That's why they're such losers. <laughs> yes. But you know what? Let me sit around and look at the internet and let me just harass somebody, first of all, who's probably successful. When you're successful, you have to accept the fact that, man, a lot of people, because their life sucks, they're going to take shots at you. And it took me a while to learn, like, Oh, I can't make everybody happy. And I'm talking, I'm going back to like 1986, 87, when I first started becoming a star. I was like, oh, okay. They just dislike you because their life sucked. They ain't never met you. They know that you're good at your job. But they, I guess they feel in power. Like, let me write something down. I says, hey, guys, never going to do the internet. No, no Twitter, no Instagram, no Facebook. Did it ever bother you during your career if, say, a journalist or somebody, you know, wrote something out in print or somebody said something on television? Would that stuff get to you a bit? The first thing I ask myself when a guy write an article about me, you have to look at me and say, wait, well, I did play bad, so I really can't go at the dude. So that's the first Salt thing. Salt in the wounds at that point though, right? Yeah, that's what I tell every guy. Cause you know, I talk to guys all the time. I said, first thing you ask yourself, is it true? And you can't get mad if a guy like you did play like shit last night. What do you want me to get on TV and say you played great? Everybody just saw you. Players and coaches call me all the time, which is fine. I'll, and I'll explain why I said it. And they're like, okay. I said, I'm curious though. Why you never call me when I say positive stuff about you? Because that's like, Renee, that's like my personal favorite. I can say nine great things about a guy. He only calls me on the one bad thing I said about him. And that's probably the only time I get really pissed. I'm like, yo, man, I've said nine great things about you. And you called me and questioned me on the one thing that was legitimate. But like I say, the first thing you ask yourself is a criticism fair. And I don't even mind criticism. The one thing I will never stand for, if a guy write a story about me and it's not true, I'm going to definitely call him out on that. I always have this saying, I haven't done half the shit they said I did. Some of it, I, I'll raise my hand. I've done some crazy stuff. But like sometimes, like, yo, man, that did not happen. That's not true. Because that's the one thing about our business. Everybody has an opinion about you when you're in the limelight. That goes from y'all business. That goes to my business, the NFL. Everybody has an opinion about you. And that's just how it is. I don't take it personally. Did you ever have a hard time when you were breaking into the broadcast side of things? I mean, I know you've been doing it for so long now and one of the absolute best to do sports broadcasting. Did you have any issues when you were first doing it though, of being critical of players that you knew? Were you like hesitant of like, oh, I know I've been in their shoes before or like hundred percent because I, I don't go to work saying a guy's going to suck on television. Because I consider them part of my family. I want them to do well. I want them to play great basketball. I want everybody to be safe and healthy. But listen, I still have to do my job. I always tell people, dude, that's the way this thing works. If you play great, 
I'm going to talk bad about you. If you play bad, I'm going to talk bad about you. I mean, it's good and bad. There's no in-between. And it's nothing personally either way. I said, but that's the way this sports thing works. Whether it's a newspaper guy, a television guy, if you play great, everybody's going to talk great about you. But if you play bad, they're going to talk bad about you. We're not doctors. We're not lawyers. We're not college professors. It's a very simple thing. If you play good, we're going to talk good about you. If you don't, we're going to talk bad. It's that simple. Don't suck and no one will have to talk any shit. We've had guys say, listen, we on national television tonight. We're on TNT. I'm not giving Charles or Shaq or Kenny a chance to say anything bad about me. Guys have said that in the interviews. It's like, yeah, I want to play well tonight because I know those guys in the studio are going to be killing me. Well, that's good. You got to set the bar, set the precedent, let people know that that's what they get. Should they shit the bed during a game, then you will bring it up on the broadcast. As a fan right now, you think about this weekend, you see how they're just shitting all over Pat Mahomes. Hey, Renee, that's the way this thing is. I had a friend of mine. We're playing golf this summer. Really great friend of mine named John Spagnola. He played pro football for a long time. He had just gotten a couple new body parts. And I said, would you change anything? He says, hell no. When you play football, that's the deal you make. But it's kind of like being in the limelight. This is the deal you make with the devil. And it's just, uh, as I always say, it beats working for a living. I always said that. I do. I says, hey, I do. I said, yo, man, them nine to fives where you work like 50, 60 hours a week and bless you for doing it. But you make some money like now I would never want to do that. I rather have people talking bad about me and make a lot of money. What's your reaction to all the stuff that happened with Mina Kimes over the past week or so of her being critical of uh, Garoppolo and then having Jeff Garcia, former uh, 49ers quarterback, kind of chiming in saying, if you've never played the sport, you shouldn't be able to talk about it. I mean, I'm obviously paraphrasing because he went in. Um, what is your reaction to kind of what he said and also... I guess on her side of things, like being an analyst that has not played the sport. I mean, obviously, you've worked with people like that as well. What's your spin on it? You know, it's a really slippery slope for everybody to be talking about, because the notion that just because somebody hasn't played a sport, that doesn't mean they're dumb and don't know anything about it. Ninety percent of the guys on television and on radio have actually never played in the NFL. You know, that's just the way this thing goes down. but. The thing I didn't like about what he said, I thought it was more sexist. Just saying you're a woman, like call out the dudes who have never played the game. So I think the biggest problem I had with Jeff, it was more sexist. Because listen, I think a lot of people on radio and TV don't know anything about, about sports. But that doesn't mean their opinion doesn't matter. Uh, so I think you have to be really careful saying you didn't play. You don't know anything. Uh, about the sport. That's the slippery slope I was talking about earlier. You have to be really careful saying you didn't play, you don't know anything because, you know, you can learn a lot by studying and talking to people and things like that. And let's get one thing straight. We're not, it's not like we are reinventing the wheel or anything. It's it's a sport. If you're in the service, you're an essential worker, a cop or a fireman, like, yeah, you can take yourself a little bit serious. But if you're just dribbling a stupid basketball around, calm down, buddy. <laughs> calm down, pump the brakes. Um, so you have said that you plan on retiring by 60. What's the plan? What are you going to do? Well, you know, Renee, I've been in this thing. I'll be 59 years old in a couple of weeks. And 
I'm smart enough to know that I'm on the backside of life and I don't feel like working to the day I drop dead. I've been doing this for 21 years, but I don't feel the need to work to the day I die. I'm going to be a grandpa in two months, which is officially means you're old. When you start going by the grandpa moniker, you are officially getting old. So I'm excited for this grandpa thing. But I think I say, like I say, I'm basically 60 years old. I'm on the back nine. I play a golf every day. So I'm like, yeah, I'm on the back nine somewhere. And I just want to enjoy the rest of my life. You know, I've been working for a long time, but like I say, I don't want to drop dead while I'm still working. I want to travel the world. I, I got this game. We're talking about it. I'm going to put a bunch of countries in a bowl. And then like one week a month, I'm just going to pick a country and go. Oh, that's so exciting. I love that. It's so nice to think of like what that's going to look like. So it's not like you're just going to retire and sit around and get bored. I'm sure you're going to be staying very, very busy. You only get bored when you got stuff to do. When you can just do make it up as you go, you never get bored. I mean, if anyone's earned it, it's you. You've certainly earned that time to just pack a suitcase and go where that, wherever the hell you feel like going. Hey guys, if you're here listening to the sessions, thank you. Hello. Hi. And you love some combat sports, well, be sure to check out Boxing with Chris Mannix. It's every Friday as he talks with the biggest names in boxing, UFC, and yes, even the occasional wrestling superstar. Chris is one of the most passionate and influential voices in the sport and he's here every week to help you get smarter on all things boxing. He'll also help you win some money on FanDuel with his weekly betting segment where he breaks down the best bets for all the big fights. Download Boxing with Chris Mannix only here on the Volume Podcast Network. So with TNT, with Turner, um, you guys have wrestling back there, which is amazing. You said that you've watched it, that you're a fan of that. You guys also just got hockey, which is amazing. Have you got to talk much to Gretzky? Well, I've talked to Gretzky quite a bit. First of all, I want to make it clear. Wayne is his own man. But when we got hockey, my boss said he made, I was the first phone call he made. And I said, what you need, boss? He says, I need you to talk Wayne Gretzky into doing hockey. Because Wayne's been one of my best friends. He's a, he's a great friend. And uh, I says, does Wayne want to do television? He's like, well, I don't know. I says, all right, I'll make the phone call. And I made the phone call. And uh, yo, man, I need to talk to you about something serious. We just paid $1.5 billion to do hockey. We need you to do hockey. He's like, I've never done television before. And I'm not looking for a job. Like I say, let me rephrase this. I got to kiss my boss's ass and get you to take this job. And uh, I did. He took the job. And another one of my good friends is Rick Tockett, they, who was one of my neighbors in Arizona, because they both were neighbors at one point. And he's on the show. So my good friends have really come through for me. And they tell me they're doing a fantastic job. I feel like TNT, you guys do such a good job over there of taking sports and taking sports figures and letting you guys just be you and let that be fun. I think that Paul Bissonette is a huge... Um, he's great. He's so good there. Oh my God. I was so happy that they hired him. I feel like he's that little bit of spice that they need to keep things nice and loose and fun. And there's nothing more fun than just watching people that know the sport, enjoy the sport, and just get to talk about it as the pros. You know what TNT has really done, Renee? You have to understand something. Okay, so my normal night, we're on from 7 to 2 in the morning. When you do basketball or hockey, it's, it's a long-ass night. And I think one of the reasons our show's been so successful is nobody want to talk about basketball from 7 o'clock to 2 in the morning. 
we try to make it as much fun as possible because we you know you go you got regular basketball fans but we're trying to get people like yourself more women involved older people so TNT has given us and like I say this is my 21st year when I first got here like man we got to have more fun I mean because people are not gonna watch from seven to two in the morning if all we're doing is hey this is how you play the pick and roll because we could actually exit and owe them to death but nobody wants to sit there and listen to that from seven to two in the morning. Now I want to hear you guys talking about churros. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and, and 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 so you got to give our staff a lot of credit. Like, no, you guys have fun. When we need to be serious, we'll talk about basketball. If there's some issues come up, we'll talk about that. But the main thing is y'all make sure people enjoy watching basketball. And we have done a really good job at that. What is it about you and Shaq that just makes your chemistry so charming and magical between the two of you? Can you put your finger on it? <laughs> you know, first of all, he's awesome and he's got thin skin <laughs> and, and, and I'm old school and old school. If you know something bothers somebody, you got to keep poking the bear. And he gets so mad at me sometimes because, you know, I'm going to keep poking the bear because that's the best thing about sports. Being in a locker room, on the bus trips, on the plane trips. I feel like you guys have recreated that in a studio atmosphere. We've heard that before, and that's pretty much true. I totally agree with that. Like I say, when you're on a four-hour, five-hour plane trip, when you're going east to west, if you're not having fun, like when I played for the six, we bus to New York, D.C., and New Jersey. So you're on the bus for two hours. It's kind of quiet before the game to a certain degree. But after the game, if you win, it's two hours of mayhem. <laughs> and that's what's one of the coolest things about it. We have tried to recreate that. So that's a great point by you. To be athletes for so long, playing at the caliber that you did, I'm sure that kind of scratches that itch for you guys as well. I mean, when people walk away from the sport, they always say it's the thing that they miss the most is that locker room atmosphere. So it's cool that you guys still get that to a degree. It's fun to watch. We try to make it fun. Like I say, we want people to have a good time watching basketball, but I'm going to say this, ain't nothing like playing. Let's get that <laughs> yeah. out the way. There's nothing like playing. I mean, because uh, it, it's such a, an amazing feeling to be, number one, be really, really good at something, but also the people you play against. Like, you know, in my day, it was Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, Carl Malone, Patrick Ewing. And when you look at when people talk about the greatest ever, you know, people, first thing they talk about are like Michael, Magic, Larry, you know, those probably are the three most important people in NBA history, in my opinion, because Magic and Larry saved the NBA. And then Michael took it to a whole nother level, kind of like Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicholas in golf. And then you had Tiger, who took it to a whole nother level. And uh, but man, it's been so amazing. I mean, well, every time I see, I'm watching old footage of these guys. I'm like, yeah, I played against Bird. I played against Magic. I mean, so it, it's been a it's been a really crazy, amazing journey. And you hate the debate of Jordan versus LeBron, correct? Because I think it's lazy. I mean, Michael's been retired for a hundred years, and why are we trying to worry about him against a guy today? Because that's the one thing you got to understand. A lot of these guys are just um, they do radio. As a friend of mine said, who's a, like a famous radio guy, he says, Charles, my only job is to get these fools to call it an order for four hours every day. That's my job. And I said, what? He says, dude, that's the way this business works. I got to be on the radio for four hours every day. 
I just kind of come up with a subject that these fools going to argue with me for four hours. And it's very interesting. And that to me is like, you know, you're going to get the old people calling in to defend Michael. You're going to get all the young kids calling in to defend LeBron or throw some Kobe in there. Then some of the older people are going to throw Kareem in there. But I just think it's lazy. You know, uh, Michael was the greatest I played against. I got a lot of love and respect for LeBron. He's a great, great player and an amazing man. All the stuff he's doing off the court, especially with the, the promise school back in, in Ohio. So uh, I just think it's a lazy debate. Yeah, I tell you, you know, you know, Renee, when I was going, when I last year, when that last dance thing came out, I was saying to myself, holy shit, they almost killed Michael back then. And then to see the way the game is played today, well, a kiss on the cheek is a foul. It's like <laughs> it's like night and day what I'm dealing with. I'm like, did y'all just see this dude almost get killed when they were playing the Pistons? I mean, he took him. It took him four years to get past the Pistons. They beat the hell out of him three years before he finally got over the hump. Like I say, LeBron, who's amazing. I mean, you breathe on guys hard today. They're like, that's a foul. I mean, <laughs> it, but that's just the way it is. How was it for you watching The Last Dance when it all came out? I mean, that really took the world by storm. And like those early quarantine days, people were like, oh, my God, great. We've got something awesome to watch. How was that for you to kind of take a little walk down memory lane? It was always great going down memory lane. So I think I got to like episode five when they beat us for the championship. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's a bad memory. But it made me realize how much Michael went through because you know, a lot of these guys today don't want to compete. They all get together. And that's annoying because I'm one of the old get off my porch guys. I hate to see all these guys play together instead of fighting through like a dirt Nowitzki did. But to see what Michael went through to get through the Pistons and just, no, we got to get better. We got to get better. We got to get better. I wish a lot of these young kids could learn that instead of saying, hey, you know what? No, I need to go and join my friends so we can build these super teams. But it was it was it brought back some great memories, as, at least until I got to like episode five or six when they beat us for the championship. But other than that, it was it was great. It brought back some great memories. Um, OK, so taking things back to Shaq really quickly. What did you think of Shaq stepping inside of a wrestling ring and taking bumps? This man's crazy. That's a perfect word. This dude is crazy. His body probably can't take the abuse today. But with his personality, he's one of the most fun people I've ever been around. First of all, he's a really hardworking dude. I mean, he's on every commercial. Oh, my God. What is he not selling right now? It's crazy. It's just a matter of time before we start doing a Depends commercial. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> they got the big bucks over there. Get that Pampers money. I know he's turning 50 sometime in the next couple of weeks, so he's close to Depends. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> but, you know, he's a great businessman. He does a lot of stuff, uh, clearly. Uh, but... I could, with his personality, if he really had a want to do it like 25 years ago, he would have been great. He would have been a huge wrestling star, no doubt. I have actually never been so excited in my career. We had WrestleMania in Dallas. I was hosting one of the pre-shows like way up in the stadium and, and Shaq came out. I've never hauled ass so fast as I did to run all the way down. I'm like, let me do this interview with Shaq, please. Because I was like dying to see him finally get into a wrestling ring. I thought that we were going to see Shaq in Big Show, which we never got to see that. But we still got to see Shaq. Step Is he not the biggest human you ever seen in your life? Massive. And I'm around large men all the time, but that's to a different scope. It's crazy. I tell people all the time, I played in the NBA for 16 years. 
and I played against a Mark Eden, rest in peace, Mutombo, Alonzo Mourning, guys like that. When you see Shaq in person, he's the biggest human being you're ever going to see. And it's no wonder that everyone, like, I feel like people just want Shaq to hold them like a baby. Like, I feel like that's such a thing. Actually, Mark Henry, a big wrestler as well. I know Mark Henry. Mark's the best. I've never had an experience. Like, I was with Mark at South by Southwest, and he is just such a massive human, and people just want to touch him all the time. Yeah, but he like he, Mark Henry is probably six, seven inches shorter than Shaq. He's much shorter than Shaq, yes. They both got humongous bodies, but <laughs> yeah. Shaq is like six, seven inches taller, yes. Much bigger, but I've never seen someone deflect humans' hands on their body the way that Mark does in like a very graceful way. He doesn't like make you feel bad about it, but like everyone's trying to hug him, jump on him, and he's just like deflecting people left, right, and center. So I imagine Shaq has to do a very similar thing. All the time. No question, Duck. Because everybody loves Shaq. Okay, so you were talking about obviously being, you know, a great athlete and playing a sport and that you miss that. We know what a great golfer you are. What a great golfer you have become. What was it like for you transitioning from the bad swing into what you have now? I mean, it's pretty miraculous. It's, it's been a traumatic probably 20 years for me because I used to be really good at golf. But the last 20 years, I really sucked at it. You know, what really happened is my brain froze up because I was really a good, solid golfer. But I started taking lessons from every Tom, Dick and Harry in the world. And before I knew it, I was hearing voices. I mean, when I'm standing over a golf ball, I had like 10 guys talking to me and my brain just quit. It's like I've had enough. And so I like for 20 years, Renee, I quit playing golf except unless it was a friend of mine wanting me to come embarrass myself and play in their golf tournament. Cause you know, it's, it's a great way to raise a ton of money for a charity. And so I got traded to Phoenix and I realized like, Oh shit, I'm a good player. I need to get a lot better. If I'm going to play out here with these dudes, I started playing, taking all these lessons and I just got totally whacked out. And then about Two and a half years ago, I was playing in Tom Lehman's golf tournament, and I met this guy named Stan Utley, who played on tour and who considered one of the best teachers in the world. And he said, Chuck, won't you let me work with you a little bit? And I'm like, Stan, I've given up. I only play a couple charity events a year. I work with everybody in the world. And he's like, well, won't you try with me? If you don't work with everybody else, it's not going to hurt you. And I said, hey, good point, Stan. Good point. And I started working with Stan, and he said to me, hey, I know what happened with all the voices in your head. Just listen to me. So we hit balls for a couple of hours. And I said, he says, when I'm talking to you, I want you to just think about what I'm saying. Don't worry about what this guy said. This guy, he's just listened to my voice. And then in the last two years, I'm probably playing better than I ever played in my life. And it's just a great game. It's interesting because you, I mean, you you don't always just like assume that like every athlete's just like kind of gifted across the board, but to actually put in that work and figure it out, I think is really cool. It's like humbling, I would say, right? Frustrating and humbling. What I will tell you is you got to understand something. Golf is made for people your size. I know I play with a lot of pros and they're all like little short dudes. Yeah. You must've had to go get like really custom clubs done, right? Uh, my clubs are pretty much standard because I got really long arms, but most of those dudes are about this tall. And the taller you are, the harder it is to hit the golf ball. 
And it's kind of crazy because you would think the bigger you are, the further you can hit the ball, but it's actually the opposite. Those little dudes can hit it a lot further. Uh, so I'm just glad to be back out there playing again. But man, it's been so frustrating the last few years trying to deal with this thing. I mean, it, it, it was really frustrating for like 20 years, like because nobody wants to suck at anything. No, it's the worst. It's very upsetting. I hate when I'm not good at something. Yeah. And uh, as old as I am, I can't do anything but golf and fish. That sounds lovely, though. Like, I would like to go do those, things, especially fishing. I've romanticized the idea in my head that I would love to be a fisher at this point. The reason you golf and fish, that's the only two places you can get peace and quiet. Because you have to understand something. <laughs> yeah. You're famous. When you go to the supermarket, people want to talk to you. And they're like, no, I actually came here to shop. But clearly you want to talk to me while I'm trying to shop. You go to the dry cleaner, people want to talk to you. I mean, there's not a lot you can do publicly when people like, and first of all, I think you should always sign autographs and take pictures. I think that goes with the territory. But it's, it's annoying at times. But when you go play golf and you go fishing, those are the two places you can just hang out with your friends. There's no autographs, no pictures. Y'all just having fun. That's why I'm addicted to those two things. Is there another sport that you wish that you could have excelled at? Well, I played football one day and I quit because them dudes are crazy for being out there. I wasn't tough enough to play football. It worked out great for me as far as basketball because the notion that everybody's going to be good at every sport is not really true. That's what I tell kids when I speak to like in Paris. And I said, well, how many sports they play? Like, blah, 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 blah. I said, you know, you should let them play all the sports. Then I figure out what they're good at. You can't like say, I want my son to play basketball. I want my son to play football. I'm like, well, maybe they're not big enough, strong enough, fast enough. Or maybe they just don't like it. I mean, let them play all the sports. And they'll figure out, number one, the most important thing, what they're good at. But the notion that you can just train your kid, he's going to be great at a sport, I think is a, is a misnomer. Yeah, I know. I have a daughter now and I'm like, oh, what's she going to be good at? What am I going to put her into? And you, you never know. She might not like any of it and just wants to do science and math. And at that point, I will have to check out and hire somebody else to help. But you no, know, so it's, it's so it's so funny you say that because I have a daughter. She's the most amazing thing. Great kid. I'm so proud. She's a really smart, went to Villanova and Columbia grad school. She's really smart, but she's had a great body since she was like five. And you know me, I'm going to have the best woman basketball player in the world. She's going to learn from me. She's 5'10", 5'11". She's, and she was that age at like 10. And I'm like, are you ready to play sports yet? No, dad. No. Then finally I talked her into it and I put her in basketball. She hated it. She said, Dad, I don't want to hurt anybody. I said, that's the objective, to kick their ass. <laughs> she said, I'm bigger and stronger than everybody else. I said, yeah, that's a bonus. That's not a negative. And then I says, Christiana, you don't like basketball, do you? No, Dad, I don't like basketball. That must have been a big day for you, though. That must have been really heavy. Well, after I told her to go to her room, I just sit in my room and cried for like two hours. <laughs> you know, it was traumatic because I went. Yeah. So then I was like, OK, let's try volleyball. She tried it, didn't like it soccer. And then finally, after trying and trying, I said, hey, can I talk to you? I says, do you like sports? He says, no, dad, I don't like sports. I said, well, I tell you what, I just want you to be who you want to be. You don't have to be Charles Barkley's daughter. I want you to be the best version of you. She said, I really like school. She was a straight A student. I says, okay. Like I say, she ended up eventually going to Villanova and Columbia grad school. She's a really smart person. But that was traumatic for me. 
I mean, because I think all jocks want their kids to follow in their footsteps. I know for John, he's been so excited to have our daughter to like take her down to some wrestling mats. I'm like, my kid's going to have ringworm by the time she's three. I'm going to be battling all these different issues. Who knows what's going to happen on these gross ass wrestling mats. But she pictures her being like this little mini Ronda Rousey. I'm like, I don't know if that's going to happen for you. Tell her to pick an easier profession. I tell my friend like wrestling, football, uh, maybe even hockey to a certain degree. Like Hockey can be brutal on the body, no which is what I would want her to do. I'm from Canada. I'm born and bred on a hockey rink. Where? Toronto. I love Toronto. And Toronto is my favorite city in the world. My two favorite cities are Toronto and Chicago. I talk about them on the show all the time. And they're very similar, Toronto and Chicago. I feel like they've got the same kind of vibes and they're good, clean cities, plenty to do, awesome neighborhoods, so diverse. I love Toronto. It's the best. I tell people, Toronto is just a clean New York. That's the way, with, with nice people. You know what I will say is also an underrated city is Birmingham, Alabama. I actually quite like Birmingham. I feel like it's, it like flies under the radar a little bit. Well, I have no choice because I grew up right by there. I grew up in a small town about 15, 20 minutes outside of Birmingham. So to get anything done as far as eating and anything, you have to go to Birmingham. So There's good food in Birmingham, though. There's some really good spots. The South has got great food everywhere. And Birmingham, to me, is a really important city because of the civil rights history and things like that. So I actually just opened my, uh, what's well, not true, I didn't open, I bought a distillery Redmond Vodka and Vulcan Gin. I bought a distillery in Birmingham about three years ago, and we just went to our 17th state. And uh, I'm really, really uh, pumped about that. So, because I wanted to own a business in Birmingham, and I had been trying for like the last 20 years, and this distillery thing came open, and I'm like, yeah, let me do that. And so I did. I bought it like a couple years ago. Oh, that's so cool. John had rehabbed. He had tore his tricep and he had his surgery and rehabbed out there. And we were out there for about two, three months. So we really got kind of the lay of the land of Birmingham. I thought it was a really. Did he go, did he go to UAB or, or Hell South over there? I want to say UAB. I think it was Dr. Dugas that did it. He did a great job and got John good and healthy. But um, yeah, we spent a bit of time down there and I thought that it was really awesome. FanDuel is bringing Super Bowl bingo to your Super Bowl party. And it doesn't matter if you're watching the game with hardcore fans or someone who's just there to watch the commercials. Super Bowl Bingo is perfect for everyone, and it's absolutely free to play. Here's how it works. You can get your free card now at FanDuel.com or on the FanDuel app. Then on game day, as Super Bowl and pop culture moments on your card happen, your squares fill up automatically. And if you get five squares in a row, all you have to do is press bingo to win a share of $100,000 in prizes. FanDuel is the exclusive home for Super Bowl bingo. Grab your free card now so you're all set for game day. And don't miss your chance to win a share of $100,000. Thousand dollars in prizes with FanDuel Super Bowl Bingo. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL and Super Bowl 56. Okay, I know that we're running out of time here, but I would like to talk to you about a little bit of romance because you've been married for forever. What's the secret? You guys have been married since 1989. Break it down for all the masses. Give me the goods. Well, number one, I'm gone a lot. That always helps. <laughs> True. Sometimes it does help. I'm like, can you get out of the house? Don't you have a tour to go on? I think the main reason is 
she accepts me flaws and all. The one thing about being in the line, like people only look at the good stuff. It's a lot of crap that goes on behind the scenes. And I used to take it home all the time. I don't want to take it home anymore. Losing is very frustrating. Being a full-time babysitter is very frustrating because that's what it is when you're on a team. Like <laughs> you're plugging holes everywhere. You know, it's a lot of stuff that goes on when you, especially when you're the best player on a team because you get too much credit, you damn sure get too much blame. So you're plugging holes all the time. So I think the main thing is she doesn't judge me. She accepts me how I am. She's a great mother. I have learned that I want to be a great father. I want to be a great father. My father passed away a couple of weeks ago, and we did not have a great relationship my entire life. We reconciled later in life and became friends. But I really want to be a good father, and I've really worked hard to do that. Because, listen, it's hard to be gone all the time. And I wouldn't change the thing because it's given me so much in my life, but it's hard. And the thing I always tell people, man, ain't no perfect people out here. I mean, we all got flaws. We all want to do some things differently. And I, I always want, you know, David Carter, the quarterback of the Raiders. I talked about me and Ernie have a podcast and I write down stuff throughout the week. We got a thing called, first of all, which because I apparently we joke on the show. I say, first of all, multiple times. I never even get to the second thing. So we we came up with the, the first part of our show is called First of All. And I ramble off about actually when I was talking about your husband, I ramble off about five or six things that happened in the world I want to talk about. And I was watching uh television one day and David Carter, Raiders quarterback, his teammate had just killed that girl in Las Vegas. And he says, guys, I want to pray for that woman's family. I just want to wish them the best, but I tell you what I want to do. I want to have some grace for my teammate. And I said, Oh, expand upon that. I'm sitting here watching the TV and like he can hear me. He says, I really feel bad for that young lady, but I'm going to give my teammates some grace. He's a hundred percent wrong, but I'm not going to pile on. And I talked about that. I says, I never want to be, and that goes back to all those assholes on the internet we were talking about earlier. I never want to be one of those assholes who pile on. People know when they've made mistakes and done things wrong. I want to be the guy like, you know you're wrong. You admit that you were wrong, but I want to give you some grace. I want to be that person. That does not mean I'm great, but I never want to be that asshole like, you're down. Let me kick you while you're down. I never want to be that person. I, whether I'm on TV, whether I'm Zooming with you, whether I'm on television, my job, or I'm just walking down the street. I don't want to be that person who pile up. That just makes you an asshole, in my opinion. People always just feel the need to say something one way or the other, right? No one can ever just like not say something. If you're going to say something, be positive. But if you're one of those people who just have to be negative, to me, and, 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 I, and I'm not just saying this to you, wait a minute, you're just an asshole. Shut the fuck up or give somebody some positivity. Why do you have to be negative? Are you serious right now? You had to say somebody's already down. How low of a person do you have to be to really pile on? 
Don't say it. Just don't say anything. It's just such a cesspool of people wanting to jump on and say negative shit all the time. It's exhausting. And you have to look at yourself in the mirror if you're one of those people like, why did I have to do that? Yeah, I wonder if they ever feel remorse for that or like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have, maybe I should delete that or not talk about that. I wouldn't, I never, I would never like, oh man, somebody's down, let me stomp on them. No, that, that just like, no, I, I never want to have that thought press in my mind. I'm with you, Charles. Okay, my last question before I let you go, a football question. We got the Bengals. We got the Rams. You're a betting man. What are you thinking? I, I just want you to know, I love... Aaron Donald, he's just great. I live in Cincinnati, by the way. I'm just putting that out there. I just think it will be great for Cincinnati. They've been down so long. Joe Burrow, I never met him, but man, does he seem like a great kid. But I think the Rams are going to win the game. But let me tell you something. If Cincinnati wins, I think it will be great for sports because they've been down so long. But when you got a guy like Aaron Donald who you saw – him just trying to get his team ready. And all he's thinking about is trying to get that championship ring. So like I say, I'm probably leaning toward the Rams. Breaking my heart here, but I get it. I understand most people are kind of leaning towards the Rams for this, which just fuels our fire a little bit more. We'll take it. I also say this. I've literally lived in Cincinnati for maybe three months and I've just jumped on the bandwagon, Um, but it's okay. I'll wave that flag. I'm here. That is home. So you're good. (laughs) Yeah, it's home now. Um, Okay, I lied. I do have one final question. What was tougher, the Dream Team practices or the Space Jam pickup games? Wow. That's actually a great question. The only reason it was the Dream Team is because everybody on the Dream Team was great. We had a couple guys who were college players on the Space Jam pickups, but everybody on the Dream Team was a great player. So the answer is the Dream Team because – we probably had 10 to 15 NBA players at Space Jam, but then we had a couple of guys who we needed to fill out rosters. But everybody on the Dream Team was great. So that, that that's the answer. I love that. It's so nice to meet you. I'm so happy that we were able to connect. And I really thoroughly appreciate you taking the time to, to hop on the Sessions podcast with me. Well, no, I really appreciate you reaching out. Give my best to your man. I will. Hopefully we'll get to meet in person sometime, both of you guys. I'm proud of him. And listen, uh, thanks for reaching out. Be safe. Yeah, you too. And uh, good luck with everything. Happy birthday when it's coming up. And uh, enjoy that retirement when the time comes. I appreciate it. Y'all take care of yourself and be safe. Happy New Year. Bye, Charles. Bye-bye. A big thank you. A massive thank you. A true warm hug to my guy Charles Barkley for joining me on this episode. It was so cool to Zoom face-to-face with this man and just get to hang out with him. It really felt like that. He's very like... Sometimes, I mean, when you don't know somebody, you're not really sure how the interview is going to go. Is it going to be a little bit awkward? Am I going to be out of my depth? Because I, I, I couldn't get into X's and O's basketball with this man, obviously. Like, what do I know? I talk about wrestling. Uh, so, I, you know, it was cool to just be able to shoot the shit with this guy about a plethora of different topics, and he was game for all of it. So thank you so much, Charles Barkley, for hanging out with me. Much appreciated. Maybe we can hang out in Toronto at some time, you know? We're both big Toronto fans. Love that city. All right, guys, I said it at the beginning of the show, but make sure to go head over to thevolume.com. That's where you guys can get your official The Sessions merch. It's all on there. Just hit the merch tab over on thevolume.com. Get some, enjoy some, maybe buy a gift, you know, spread the love a little bit. 
Are we in for the long haul of winter? Do we all need more hoodies? I have so many hoodies and sweatpants, it's actually laughable. So let's just keep adding to the pile, is what I say. Check it all out, enjoy it, and tag me in all your pictures of it. I can't wait to see you guys rocking these shirts. They're really cool. I love the artwork for it. It came out awesome. All right, guys, thanks for hanging out with me. Thank you, Charles Barkley. Love you long time. See you next episode. This has been The Sessions.